coffee lovers, how would you like to drink coffee that not only tastes delicious, but transforms lives? Allow us to introduce you to our new partners, Wellgrounded. Wellgrounded is an award-winning social enterprise, providing specialist coffee training and ongoing job support to people facing multiple barriers to employment. They develop individual soft skills alongside technical coffee knowledge to unlock work opportunities in the speciality coffee industry. This work supports people who have a range of complex needs, many of whom have become even more vulnerable during the COVID-19 pandemic. This year, Wellgrounded has launched a delicious new Impact Coffee, roasted by Notes Coffee in London. All profits go towards their work to help those in need with meaningful employment and progress. Learn more about their work and the extra impact your coffee can have by checking out their socials at Wellgrounded HQ. And now, on to the podcast. And now, what's the score? Hello, I'm Stuart Horsfield, and this is What's the Score podcast with the back pages. Every episode, I will be talking with a guest who is in love with the beautiful game. I will ask them to recommend their three favourite football books, to select three songs from a list of ten categories. Finally, they will be given a score draw question, drawn at random, live on air. This is 45 minutes plus a bit of injury time of football, books and music. Hello, uh, and I would like to welcome today's guest, uh, which is Mr. Gary Thacker, a prolific football book author. He's written books including I Don't Even Smoke, Cheers, Tears and Jeers, Beautiful Bridesmaids Dressed in Orange. He's the author of a football novel, The Games People Play. He is a senior member of the senior leadership for these football times, probably the most passionate advocate you will find of 1970s Dutch football <laughs> and a lifelong Chelsea fan. Uh, Gary, welcome to What's the Score? Thanks, buddy. Nice to be along and uh, you know, on this new podcast series. So, yeah, thanks for inviting me and to talk about football with my mates. So that's always the best thing to do. And, and to be fair, obviously, you and I both know each other from, from these football times and it's something... Well, I want to say we're very good at it's something that we do a lot. Maybe we're not very good at it. Other people decide that, but it is something. <laughs> it's something that we do a lot of. We do a lot. We do a lot of it, mate. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, so obviously, you've you know you've you've picked your three you've picked your three football books. You've you've picked your three songs from your categories, and we'll we'll discuss those as we go through the episode. But but first of all, um, your relationship with football. How would you describe your relationship with the beautiful game? Um. I guess it came it came from my father. Uh, father was a football fan, and he was taken to water when I was a kid. I mean, probably when I was about three or four, I guess, for the first time. So I'm going back to the late 1950s, early 60s. Um, and I suppose it came from there. Um, I, I, why I'm a Chelsea fan, I really don't know. I mean, I have been. I remember, I mean, people say, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans get ripped about, you know, you're really Chelsea fan since Abramovich turned up. But, I mean, I remember being incandescent. Yeah, angry when Chelsea sold um, Jimmy Greaves. And that, that was, that's, I think it was 60, 60, 61 sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I remember that. So I, I, that's how far I go back as a Chelsea fan. And I've been stuck with that perishing club ever since. So they, were, they won the, the first division championship the year before I was born and then waited 50 years. 50 perishing. <laughs> years. They won the one. Actually, they were formed in 1905, won the, the first championship 50 years after formation. 
and then another 50 years after that, as regular as clockwork, once every 50 years. But obviously, things have got a little better since then. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm a Chelsea fan, but I am. Um, love them and hate them in equal measure, but I'm pretty chuffed at the moment because we're champions of Europe. That's great. Uh, as you mentioned, I love Dutch football, particularly the Ajax sides of the early 70s and the, uh, the Orange of um, 74 and 78 vintage. So, um, I, I guess I guess we all we all passionate in different ways about football, and uh, I mean I, I can go and watch a, a park kids play in a park game. Um, when my nephew used to play, uh, a great going to watch him, and then you get involved. And I, I did my coaching badges, so I got stuck on the inside of it as well. But I guess football's my looks um, not the right word, but it's my it's my leisure uh, activity of choice. And it's also what I do now. I mean, so. I, I've uh, got uh, a few books written and uh, the football times where people are busy and I write for a, a Spanish newspaper over here, a weekly column on La Liga. So it's my passion and it's also my leisure activity as well. So stuck with football. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're, we're all stuck with football. Like you say, for, for better or for worse, it, it's one of those lifelong relationships. Um, I mean, like I said, there's, there's so much to get into, um, and which is obviously why I invited you on as well. Um, but I suppose that we'll come to the beautiful bridesmaids as well, but in terms of, in terms of Dutch football and the seventies, was that was it partly the way they played the game, or was it partly the the age that you were at and that you were at your most receptive to watching that? Was it the dawning of color television and, and exposure to the European game? It's you know, like I say, was it because it was attractive to you, or was it because of circumstance and the timing that it was? That it was at. I think it's both of those things, basically. I mean, I was um, so in seven early seventies, uh, so seventy one when um, Ajax first won the European Cup, and that sort of came uh, into my sphere um, of knowledge. Um, I'd be uh, fifteen, so you're sort of quite um, receptive at that sort of age. You know, and uh, I think we all get get a, a pattern of football that's that's once it's locked into you, it's locked into you, and you know, and I'm very much that same with Dutch football. So it, um, the, the awakening of Ajax, um, the uprising of the low countries, there's a, a chapter in our friend's recent book, <laughs> book uh, 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 states, um, came at the right time for me when I was looking for a model of football that, that worked for me, and, and that very much was the case, um, the total football. Um, I mean, it was, it was a, it, it's a thing of beauty. And I said, I'm a Chelsea fan, but um, I'll, 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 I'm... Attracted to Ajax and the Dutch national team, very much like you're attracted to a wonderful, a beautiful piece of art. Um, it's just something to admire and think, you know, ain't that beautiful? That's the way it should be. And uh, so that, yeah, I think I think it, it's a combination of those two things. It's 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 how it happened and when it happened. That was the uh, the the start of the um, the attraction. It's. I mean, obviously, we'll we'll come to you your first choice of book in a little while, and it's going to be no surprise as to what that is. <laughs> but we'll we'll come to one of your books, and obviously, this is not in order. But your book, the beautiful brides, uh, beautiful bridesmaids dressed in orange, and you know, it it wasn't your first book, um, but you know, you've just talked there, like I said, and I introduced you as a passionate fan of Dutch football. You know, and I've heard you talk, and people who know you will have heard you talk about Dutch football. Was that that the book that you always wanted to write was that you know i don't know if you've written books before you've written books since but was that the book that was always inside you waiting to get out 
Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, it wasn't my first book because I didn't have the confidence to do it. You know, I, I mean, the first book I did was um, was um, self-published and the second one came through, uh, which is Rebellion England, which I was more confident because I knew more about it. But the, um, yeah, that, that, that's the, the sort of uh, the love story of uh, the Dutch national team. And, you know, they're coming so close, losing successive World Cup finals, um, beautifully fragile team. Yeah, it was a book I always wanted to write, but never had the confidence to do it because it was a bit out of my comfort zone, shall we say. Um, and it was once I've got a couple of sort of um, books completed, that I had the confidence to do it. So, so yeah, it was always one I did always want to write. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that. I, I feel quite bad now. I've been I've been written one about about a subject that I wanted to write. I feel like I should have waited and had a couple of practices before I wrote the one I really wanted to write. Yeah, I think the difference is, is I, I mean, I started writing quite when I was quite old. I don't think I um, probably was about 55 or actually even started blogging, as it were. So, um, you know, it was a big step for somebody of my you know, advanced years. It, it, it's funny. Um, I was going to ask you about that, actually, but well, I'll ask you now. In terms of, you know, you, you did come late to writing and obviously you're never too old, never too young, you know, to write. Um I suppose two questions. Why did it take you so long um, to get it, you know, to get into writing? But behind that, was it something you'd always thought about or was it that you reached a certain age and thought, actually, I might, I might have a go at that? Um, I, I mean, I don't know how many other people uh, in sort of teenage years do this sort of thing, but I used to write poetry when I was a teenager. Uh, it's all rubbish. I mean, don't get me wrong. But I've always had that sort of, creative urge and i wrote um <laughs> an allegorical tale about fruit it sounded weird but it's true um when i was in my early but i say early teens probably early 20s early 20s uh, i never finished it and then the wife found it um years afterwards said, you want to finish it so i did um and it's it's a bit it's not very good but i'd always had that that's creative urge in me but it came out basically um I used to be, uh, I used to manage a graphic design agency, I used to do advertising campaigns for us, particularly for the NHS. And uh, I used to write copy for it. Uh, I, I really found I quite enjoying it. And from that, uh, one of the guys, the creative director I used to work with there, he said, you, you want to try blogging? And it came from that, but it literally came from that. And I wrote uh, an article, and it was on um, uh, a website called, uh, called Football Extra, I can't remember, something like that. And you could see the number of reads, 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 and I got about 30, 40 reads. I thought, bloody hell, that's just great. And <laughs> it came from there, and it just, it just grew from there. But I, I, So I, it's just something I'd done probably 30 years before and then just forgot about. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I've got a couple of projects in the pipeline, but I might go back and revisit that other little tale and perhaps make it a little less mature. I'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Ah, that's... Well, I tell you what, I've already, I've known you probably the best part of four years, and we're nine minutes in, and I've already learned something that I never, <laughs> I never, I'm waiting for the the Gary Thacker book of football poetry is what I'm actually is what I'm actually waiting for. This isn't being recorded, is it? By the way, no, 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 you're fine. Don't worry, this will all be edited out. Don't you worry. No one will know about your love affair with poetry as a teenage lad in the seventies. Don't, not a problem at all. Um. Your first book, then, like I say, it, it's going to be no surprise to, to anybody who knows you, and certainly even from the first 10 minutes. Um, Brilliant Orange by David Winner. Um, little bit about what it's about. 
Um, but more importantly, why why that book for you? Why is that in your top three? Um, uh, there again, I guess I mean it's it's about basically um, the Dutch Renaissance of football uh, when they qualified for the World Cup in nineteen seventy four. Um, it was the first World Cup that qualified for since nineteen thirty eight, um, and they shouldn't even have been there. But the, the, the last qualifying game against Belgium. Belgium the goal this left off side the last seconds of the game, which would have knocked Dutch out, and who knows what would have happened after that. Um, but this, David's a great, great writer, and he, he also includes it's not just about the football, but it includes a bit about the Dutch society and the way they perceive things. And all things that in Amsterdam buildings tend to be very sort of tall and thin, the use of space, and that that sort of uh, is also in the, in the way they play football. Uh, and that's a great writer. I mean, he's it, he's sort of uh, Give me an interview for the book I'm writing at the moment, um, but it's it's a really it's a it's a story about football and people, and how those you know the society intertwines. It's really it's a great read, it's a great read. I mean, I mean, like I say, we've talked about this a lot of times on you know for these football times. But in terms of your football reading, then do you do you like to interpret that? You know, we talk about stories that have football as a backdrop, or the the relationship between football. And society, football, and culture is—is is that where you're drawn to with your reading about the game? It's strange. And just your guilty secret here. I'm not a great reader. I don't. These are great. The, keep the secrets coming out. Yeah. This is an absolutely revelatory <laughs> episode. It really is. I, I don't read a lot. Um, I, I tend to read a book. If I read like like Brilliant Orange. I've probably read four or five times. Um, uh, so I don't tend to read new new books very often um but the ones i do read tend to be about um society and particularly as well the way political um situations within society filtered into football or filtered by football as it were um so yeah i'm I say, i'm not a great i'm not a great book reader it's a terrible confession for somebody who apparently writes the things I, I, can't, I can't believe i invited you on this podcast and you don't even read I, well I, I as i say with the books i read i tend to read three or four times um but that was fine. I've, I've got, I mean, I've got um, the, the iron, the, sort of the laptops, and look at the thing now. I've got, I've got a huge bookcase. Uh, my books tend to be um, uh, historical books. The wife's books tend to be novels. So I don't tend to read novels, but uh, uh, my other sort of um, pet sort of uh, uh, obsession is the Spanish Civil War. And I've probably got uh, as many Spanish Civil War books as I've got football books. Um, but there again, the ones I read, I tend to read over and over again. It's strange, isn't it? I know. I know. Yeah, what would, what see, the other thing is, with, with football books, we're spoiled. You know, yeah. yourself, yeah. me, Stevie, um, Aidan, and Paul, who do the Centre Circle pods. You know, we get to see these fantastic books. I'm just reading one there, the Thomas Tuchel. Um, you know, we get that's bought, really. So those are the ones I read. It's, yeah, to be, I, I know exactly what you mean. We are, we are incredibly spoiled. Um, and obviously... You know, you are a, a prolific writer, certainly for, for these football times and obviously the magazine articles that come round. You know, writing, writing your own books, I guess, takes away from that time of being able to read books or you're reading for reference and yeah. research rather than reading for pleasure and enjoyment. Yeah. I remember when at school we were doing um, in English, we were doing Shakespeare, and the, the, um, the teacher, uh, named Davis, Miss Davis, she was from, she was from Liverpool, and uh, she used to say, it's the, if you're reading Shakespeare and you're studying this play, don't, 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 don't read it for pleasure, read another one, 
stood him, it destroys the pleasure of it. So it's a bit like, you know, you say so much reading we do, the books we do and the research we do for Max and such like, is, is research. And it's sort of, you end up being sort of, uh, it's, it's more work than enjoyment. So it does sort of take away the, uh, the benefits of reading sometimes. It, it, it's quite an interesting point, actually, about reading for enjoyment and reading for research. You're right, they are two completely different things. Um, so we'll, we'll come to your first song. Now, obviously, you get, you get sent your 10 categories. Um, the first category that you went with was the song that makes you sing out loud. Now, I'm not going to make you sing it. Obviously, we will we'll hear it, so don't panic. This isn't, a, this isn't like a karaoke version, don't worry. Um, but you've gone with um, singing in the, the classic Singing in the Rain um, by Gene Kelly. Um, we'll, we'll have a listen to it in a second, but is, is this a song that you always sing out loud to it every time you hear it, or is it something you put on because you feel like a good sing-song? Um, it's in my uh, Spotify playlist, so when it comes on, if, I didn't have the Spotify playlist, I've got a variety of just to get the noise down, distractions and such like, and I'll probably do sing out loud when it's on. Uh, if every, I hear it on the radio or something, I'll do sing it out. I, I mean, I think it's a great song. I mean, it's just, and when you hear that, I'm in, I'm in, I'm away. I suppose the, the other question that has to go with this before before we get a bit of it is, is can you do the dance routine as well? I can't sing and I can't dance. <laughs> and you don't read? <laughs> uh, uh, reading isn't great. I mean, I haven't got a lot of hope. I haven't got a lot of hope. Uh, fairness, have I? <laughs> we'll, just, no, we'll just end this episode right here. Uh, okay, so this is, this is Singing in the Rain by, by Gene Kelly, not by Gary Thacker. Singing in the rain, what a glorious feel, and I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above. The sun's in my heart, and I'm ready for love. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with the rain, I was smiling. Um, okay, D- did you sing along, Gary? Did-, did you sing along while it was on? Of course I did. <laughs> but it's great, because nobody can hear it, obviously. I sang to myself. I, I muted the mic. Uh, that, to be fair, I am, I am the worst. I'm a horrific singer, and I absolutely love it. I love singing, um, but I am, as I'm told, I am a horrific singer. Um, you, you talk then about, it's quite interesting, actually, because when... When you, I guess you know, have had had authors on here before, and you know we've all done it. Um, I I have to have complete silence when I'm writing, and you know you just mentioned there about putting the Spotify playlist on. Your relationship with music, then you know we've talked about your relationship with football. Your relationship with music is it something that again has played an important part throughout your life? Is it something that you've turned to more and more as you've started writing more and more? Um. You're going to tell me you don't listen to music, aren't you, next? I, I tend not to. I mean, I mean lots, of, lots of people, <laughs> for lots of people, music is a big part of their life. It's never really been a big part of my life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I mean, the songs I like, and, but, I, I, you know, I was never sort of into nightclubs and that sort of thing. Just not interested. Um, but so, so I tend to, we, we, I mean, we, when we came up to live in Spain, we bought a big pile of um, vinyl records. With us. We've got a, a, a record player, but we hardly play them. What we do tend to listen to music, it tends to be Spotify, because it's just, it's just easier. Um, we've got loads of, of CDs as well, so we're going to play them either. Um, but yeah, music, is, I mean, music to some people is massively more important than it is to me. 
I would put myself as a as a four out of ten. You know, what I mean? so, so it's not it's not it's not that I'm not interested at all, but it's not part massive part of my life. Um, but certain songs do grab me, and my choice, as you know, if anybody listens afterwards, you see the uh, it's quite eclectic. I mean. I was going to say there is there is a playlist um, that will that will be available on Spotify where people can, in theory, get to li- get to know you a little bit more. But I feel like I've learned so much in twenty minutes that I never knew. <laughs> but it, if, yeah, if people want to learn a bit more about you um, through your musical taste, then obviously the the Spotify playlist is right there for them. Um, d- does the music help with the writing? Then is it something you you what am I saying here? You know, do you sit down, Spotify on? Right, or is it just something that you think oh, actually it's a bit quiet? I'll I'll pop some music on. It's I'm fortunate to live out in Spain where the weather's really wonderful. So we t- I tend to write in the balcony. The balcony that's my office where I write. Lovely. Um, <laughs> I mean, the reason I'm not out there now is that our neighbour is having an extension done, and he's I think he's using a concrete cutter at the moment. <laughs> so that would have okay. so that's why I'm inside. But, but generally, that's where I sit and write. And sometimes, if it's a bit, if, if it's a bit noise, I'll put Spotify just like a white noise, basically. Um, but I tend to listen to um, opera or classical music because it doesn't make me stop and sing along. Uh, some of the I, mean, I put you know my Spotify playlist on of, of songs that I like. I end up singing along. That distracts me from what I'm doing. So it's very much like a I say like a white noise sort of thing to blot out the rest of the world. Shut guys are working, you know. I, I can't believe that the passionate Dutch football Chelsea fan is actually. An opera-loving, poetry-writing man that I know, I don't even recognise, Gary. If it wasn't for the fact I could see you, I would be thinking I was talking to someone else. It's, it's, this is like a therapy session, Stu. It is, it, it really is. Um, okay. So, obviously not a big reader, but luckily we have managed to get three books out of you. So, book <laughs> two, uh, book two, and like I said, this, this book is usually on most people's top three of, of great, great football books, even almost classic football books. Um, the Miracle of Castel de Sangro by, by, Joe McGu- uh, by Joe McGuinness. Again, for those who don't know, a little bit about what it's about, but probably more importantly, why, what this book means to you. Because I think it means, it's a book that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It's, it's about a lower division um, um, side in Italian football who um, got promoted through a very strange situation and struggled to stay up and with lots of catastrophes throughout the season. Uh, they had some players dying in a car accident, I think. Uh, they stayed up, but they did get relegated. And then there's a, there's a sad ending to it, in as much that there is a lot of corruption in the game. Um, the, the, I mean, Joe McGuinness, who, who wrote it, I mean, it, it's really, I, I, I find it, it, it's almost not spoiled, but it's tantalable because you know, Joe McGuinness is an American. And although he's, he's a football fan, he tends to talk in American phrases of the game. Um, it, it, I think the pain. A Venezia in a game, and there's a light flash in the corner. And he says, You know, a corner it's the most uh, dangerous set piece in football, or something like that. And I just, yeah, it's not, no, but it's a great, it's a great story, and he, and he tells it really well. And it's actually, um, the story was a little bit of an inspiration to my novel. Um, so I mean, yeah, so Brilliant Orange was an inspiration for my Dutch books, and uh. Joe's book is a little bit, I mean, it's, it's not the same story, but the things that happened, I mean, it put in my mind about writing about season about a football club. So it did, uh, it did inspire me about that. Uh, you know, much as with Brilliant Orange, if you're interested in, in, in football, or particularly that era, it's a great book to read. And 
you like a nice story that you think isn't isn't true, and it is true. Um, the miracle of Castel del Santo is a great story. You can tell you and I have, have worked together. I, I've spotted the link already between the book you chose and then talking to you about your novel. It, it's almost like you're just teeing them up. Actually, speaking of books, if you're looking for a unique gift, you know, because it's Father's Day or Granddad's Day, your best mate's day, somebody's birthday, or even just Wednesday, the Backpages Football Book Hamper is a unique gift, overflowing football nostalgia from the decade of your choice. Your hamper has been carefully crafted and each item has been designed and selected with you in mind. From the original commentary artwork to well-grounded speciality roasted coffee and books that will tell the story of the decade. We really hope that the minute you open your hamper, you will be transported back to a time when life seemed simple and football was all that mattered please visit our website at www.the-backpages.co.uk or head to our Twitter site where the link is in our bio. Um, so the football novel, I mean, this is, this is territory that I will never, uh, hand on heart, and this, is, this bit is being recorded, Gary, so now be careful what you do say, but <laughs> the hand on heart, a, a football novel is just not within me. Um, you know, you've written the games people play. I read it in two sins. It, it, it is brilliant. It's, as, a, as a kid, I can remember, I wasn't a big reader as a kid, and I remember reading a book by Brian Glamour, I think Goalkeepers Are Different, and it's a football novel, and I'm, I've read it hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, like I say, writing a book that is factually based about football and the research and putting your interpretation on it, that's one thing. But having the capacity to design and thread storylines, develop characters, I, where, do you even, where do you even start? Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when I was sort of, I mean, I don't know how old I was, it'd be sort of late teens or early twenties, when I wrote that sort of allegorical style. Um, so I've got a novel in my, in my, and it was one of the things I wanted to do. And it was a, a little bit as much as can I do is, you know, am I capable? Um, but once you get into, into writing, um, there's no parameters. You know, most of the stuff, you know, we, we write about, we talk about, it's, it's really relating to facts and look at it from different angles, but the facts and facts are established. Yeah. But when you write in a novel, you know, you've got the world is your oyster. I mean, you can do whatever you want to. Um, as long as it makes sense and it interests the reader. So, I mean, that was, it's a challenge. Um, but I, I think what I did was, when I did it, um, I did it in a fairly structured way. So um, it basically, as mentioned with Joe McGuinness's book, it goes through a season. Um, there's a little, the background of that, the, the guy who's, um, uh, he, he came to a professional game late, had an injury, had to pack him player, became a coach, and to various circumstances, ended up working at a small um, club in Spain. It's quite easy for me because then I base this, this, the geography of the town, the fictional town, on where I live. Um, so that was a nice parameter. And then I set, I, I, I set the season up, all the results of the season before I started. So I gave myself a little bit of a skeleton to work to. Um, but it was fun. It, it, it was really enjoyable to write. And whereas normal, normally books, the factual books are right, would take 18 months. I think I got that out in about six. That's um, incredible. And the other one I've just just is is actually hope with with the, the publisher at the moment 
and uh, I sent it across on Tuesday, which I think was far off. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the weekend. Uh, cracking guy, he's a really good, nice guy. We have some, some discussions about the plot, more discussions about the plot in this one than we did in the previous one. Um, but hopefully, he come back. We might get signed up next week, so hopefully, we'll publish not too distant But once you've done the book, it's a bit like, you know, we've we said about books and we've spoken in the past. I want to do it again. I left, I intentionally left the end of the first book uh, uh, an open door. So, um, and I asked, you know, shall I do it? Shall I do it? I spoke to the publisher and said, yeah, if you want to do it, you're do it. happy to publish it. So, if they said, oh, I'm not sure, well, you know, it might have put me off, but no, they didn't. So, I was like, so, you know, damn well did it. Well, I'd like to say, I mean, to be fair, I've, obviously, like I, say, I read it in two sittings and I, the minute I'd finished it, well, no, I was on to you as to whether or not there'd be a sequel. And, and, and bless you, that, that was confirmed. Um, we, we, I want to come back to the novels um, in just one second. But before we do, um, music time. And f- again, feel free to join in if you want. Feel free to sing. Um, this time you went with the song that takes you back to your happiest memory, which is always a lovely category to choose. Um, and you went with Lay, Lady, Lay by the great Bob Dylan. Um, I, I guess... If it's okay to ask, what's the what's the memory that that song takes you back to? This is a bit sloppy, so oh, forgive me. Um, when we, we first got married, me and the wife got married, um, there used to be a thing on Sunday nights on Radio 1. Me listen to Radio 1 now. Um, and the, it's called My Top 12. So basically, I have a guest on each week, and not too dissimilar to what we're talking about now, where I pick the 12 favourite songs. And we used to, so we used to have debates about this, and only song we both agreed on was Lay, Lay, Delay. Um, so that was sort of the only sort of, because I'm serious, much more musically orientated than I am. Um, but our tastes have sort of merged a little bit as we've gone on. But that was really, that was, those in mind, the only song we both really liked. I, I love that. I, I love the fact that purely by chance, I've managed to create something that you can relate to from, from the early days of your, the early days of your relationship. And it's come, <laughs> and it's come full circle. Um, okay. So this is Lay, Lady Lay by Bob Dylan. Whatever colours you have in your mind I show them to you and you see them shine Lay, Lady Lay Lay across my big breast bed Hopefully that brought back happy memories, Gary. From, it's, a from, great, it's a great song as well. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a big Dylan fan. I've got a lot of Dylan stuff on my... Uh, to, to be fair, that like I say, the more I've learned about you so far, that the more that, that just doesn't surprise me. I, I'm seeing you in a completely different light. Um, but <laughs> again, going back to the creative side. So the, the novel, like I say, the, the first part of the game is people play. Part two, whole new ball game. Did you have... Um, the games people play as a standalone story or like you said you talked about leaving it open did you know where it was going if you left it open yeah I absolutely did when I started the um, when I started the uh, the first novel uh, I can't remember who it was uh, I mentioned this one pod, pod, we did about the book um, one of the, the authors who got them there said um, he always wrote the last chapter first Michael Calvin Michael Calvin, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, because if you don't know where you're going, how can you plan your route? And it's always struck me as perfect. 
So I did with that. That's exactly what I did. So I knew where I was going. I got the, the season set out, but that was that was the, the structure. And I came to the end, and I, I it was it would have been easy to make it uh, a happy ending, as it were, but it wasn't. It was a, ten, a tension ending, shall we say? It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> so, oh, so I mean, and I, I had I thought, okay, if I get the chance to write a, a sequel, this is what I'm going to do because there was a lot of characters in the book who are good and a little bit bad, bad and a little bit good, really, really bad, and just a very, very tiny bit good, and vice versa. So, you know, there's nobody's all good, nobody's all bad. And I wanted to pull out, in the second book, I wanted to pull out the issues that rise from there. And each, each of the characters in their own way in, in the second book are all paying debts. I like that. I see, it's great for me because, like I say, I, I've read it. I know exactly what you're saying. I'm, I'm hoping that people who are listening to this will, will quickly go out and read the first book ready for the second book oh, well absolutely and i mean you know shameless self self plug here it's actually on uh, amazon at the moment go from what, go, just type my name gary thacker it's there it's on amazon at the moment for stupidly reduced price about 160 or something at the moment and uh you know could be a better time to buy it with the second one coming out buy it now then in a few weeks time look for this up the whole new board and you have a complete set what can i say like i said this this is part of the reason for this whole this whole podcast series going like i say it's for people who love football, people who like reading about football, people who like music. It is for people like us. Ultimately, this is just for you and I and and Stephen, probably and Paul and Aidan. That's it. Even <laughs> if only even if only five people listen to it, we'll be okay. Um, so you, you, your final book then, um, Profit or Traitor by by Norman Fox. Um, great choice. Really interesting choice. Um Perhaps not quite so, like I say, not so well known, um, certainly as the previous two. What, again, this book, what it's about, but again, more importantly, why, why this book for you? I mean, there's, there's a really um, current issue. I mean, um, yesterday, I mean, on my 65th birthday yesterday, and somebody posted on Twitter that the, the, the um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Jimmy Hogan is buried at Burnley, and they put a brand new headstone up yesterday on my birthday which is quite interesting um and it was kind of, i don't think if, if people know who he is or not but he was a, a revolutionary coach took um he, 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 he sort of planted the seeds of total football in, in in the in the netherlands so he was a bit of a sort of semi hero to me which was picked up by jack reynolds after the famous jack reynolds at ajax but also he worked in uh, austria with the wonder team uh in hungary uh with the Mag- magyars uh, he was a really um, a successful, strangely say, successful coach, but shunned in, in England because he wasn't an advocate of booting the ball at the park and chasing it. And uh, in 1953, when the Hungarians came to Wembley and destroyed the England team 6-3, um, they, ex- they expected that Jimmy Hogan would be a, a, a guest of honour, a star coach. But he was actually, he paid for his tickets along with the Aston Villa um, under-19 or youth team players. He took them to the, the game to watch Hungary play. And afterwards, uh, the, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the head of the Hungarian FA said, uh, when the history of Hungarian football is written, Jimmy Hogan's name will be in gold letters. He taught us everything we know about football. Um, and it's a great story. of um, the, the top is good as well. I mean, it's, you know, it's a um, profit or traitor. And he was deemed you know, tried to buy the FA. So many other coaches in this coaching. I say Jack Reynolds, who was a, was a, a massive figure in the history of Ajax. 
big booking on Stevie always mentions about um, so many English coaches who were shunned. And it, if the FA had been a bit more far-sighted and less entrenched in their beliefs, English football might have another 50 years down the road than we are now. It, it, I mean, like I say, we're, we're really lucky with what we do with these football times. And, you know, we've, again, these are topics we've talked about, but there's, there's so many great books about, you know, Joe Arras just written a book about the Wonder Team. Jonathan Wilson's written about the Hungarians. Um, David Bailey, who we've spoken to, the Magical Magyars. And, and something that we always talk about is about keeping these, these stories alive, keeping these names in the conscience, because the, the game is where it is because of these names. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. That, you know, and we go back to what you mentioned about books in the past. Uh, I've got Norman Fox's book here. I'll just look at it there, just be on the laptop. Um, the, it's, it's really encouraging that there's a, a renaissance of book ownership rather than uh, just Kindle things because a book could go back to, and I, I, I mentioned I go back to books that I've read many times because they're there and they're in front of them. It's something tangible. Kindle's things, although they're not, they're, they're sort of, they have their merits. They haven't got that longevity because once it's gone off the screen, it's gone unless you search for it. So, I mean, books are particularly important keeping those histories alive. And uh, Norman Fox's book is, a, is a, I mean, it's quite a constant book now, but it's a really good um, reference. And then again, anybody's interested in the, the sort of um, how, how European football develops, it's a great story to, to read. It is a really, it's a very interesting point, actually. I, I agree. I am very much of the, in favour of the physical when it comes to books. Like you say, we're, we're really lucky, um, you know, we get sent books or, you know, do we want um, preview copies? And I always, where possible, ask for the physical one not be selfish but just because to have like you say it's you see it almost as a mark of respect the amount of time and effort that people put into and we know how much time and effort goes into writing a book that you want that physical reminder you don't want it to just disappear off the off the off the ipad or the kindle it's it's so important um just just before we in fact no we'll we'll come to your song we'll come to your next song actually and and because we want to we want to lighten the mood afterwards because you've you've <laughs> um, you've gone with a song that brings a tear to your eye, um, and you've gone with Little Green again by the brilliant Joni Mitchell. I've got to say your your artists are absolutely outstanding. All all three, all three. But having said that, having learnt about the new Gary Thacker, it now comes as no surprise as to as to the artists you've picked. <laughs> um, are we are we okay to to ask about why this song, what it what it is that that it brings a tear to the eye? I mean, it, it's a, it's on the album Blue, which is a fantastic album. I mean, I, I really like Johnny Mitchell, um, uh, but it's, it's it's quite an old song. She wrote it um, before she became famous. She lived in, in Toronto as a penniless singer, but make her make her way. And she had a daughter um, with a partner who basically elected to California in the end. And this is the story, basically, of of how of the birth of a daughter and the trial she goes through. And she didn't, never tells her family about it at all. Tries to be, it can't happen, and she ends up putting the child up for adoption. Uh, I mean, it's it's a, it's a really it's really tearful song, but um, it's beautifully written, beautiful written. I mean, the first couple, the first two lines are, are um, uh, born born in the born with a moon in Cancer, gave her a, gave her a name to which she could answer, or something like that. And it, and it dances away. It's a really emotional story. Um, the great part is that you end up being reunited, reunited with daughter and after many, many years. 
but I, yeah, I'd always, you'd always be with Tito Martin. In, in every way, you have been the perfect guest on on this podcast. If ever, if ever a series was designed for a person, then then you're it. Um, this is. I apologise for bringing a tear to your eye, Gary, but you have had a sing along and you have had some happy memories. Um, this is Little Green by Joni Mitchell. Okay, you can you can dry your eyes now. It's it, it's okay. It, we're all done. Um, the the, the knowledge, the the backstory there that you've just that you've just given us about the song is it, brilliant. I love learning. I love learning from people. I love learning from guests. Um, and like I say, it, it, this has just been this has just been incredible. Um, but I, I but I do want to I want to go back to obviously some of the some of the stuff you do. The book, and it, it is it is a tomb um, on England. Um, you know, passionate. I know you're a passionate England fan, you know, big supporter of the international team. Um, the, the book that you wrote and, and when it, the period of time that England were in when it's finished and, and where England are now under Gareth Southgate, you know, a semi-final and a final. I'm not asking if there's going to be a sequel to that as well, don't worry, I'm not <laughs> going down that road. But are you, are you, I mean, you've seen an awful lot of England international football. Are you comfortable with where, with where England are at the moment? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm encouraged, shall we say, um, by it. Um, I mentioned earlier about, you know, the book limitation. That book took me three and a half years to write because it's, I mean, it, and I, it's one of those things as well. I couldn't have written that. I don't think anybody could have written uh, that sort of history 25 years ago, 30, because without the internet, got no chance. They made, I, remember, I remember when I was doing research about the 19, quite basically the 1954 World Cup. And I found a video of a qualification game. I mean, you just think, are you having a laugh? I mean, an obscure, but, but so, yeah, so, sorry, yes. Go back to what you say. So, it's, I mean, the, the story, um, the reason it's called um, Cheers, Tears and Cheers is because it goes from the, the sort of 96 World Cup, focuses on a lot, and then sort of Gascoigne's Tears, and now the England team basically were jeered afterwards and booed off because of various eras. Um, so it's, it's all that sort of that, that movement between the success and hope and failure and semi-redemption, that sort of thing. And I think, I think we've had a, a lot of managers of England who should never have been post, to my mind. But the FA are just, I mean, you know, they, they, they tended to pick um, coaches, not on their ability, but they tended to wear the right time, you know, not the right time to say, thank you, please, good morning. Um, but Southgate uh, has done exceptionally well in a number of ways. Um, he seems to have created um, a, a master club environment, and the players obviously respect him a great deal. And uh, they play the night, plays football, decent football. And the, I think the key thing is he's not afraid to give a kid a chance. 
Um, so many young players have come into the, um, the squad now. I, I remember, I mean, being a Chelsea fan, I mean, he gave Mason Mount his England debut when he's on the Derby County and playing second tier football. Uh, you know, um, so I think, yeah, things are going, uh, things are, are encouraging. Um, the, I think they over, overperformed to get to the World Cup semi final, but the, the, the European Championship final, because um, so close, could have, could have won that. On another day, could have won it. Um, but to get to a, a, a World Cup semi final and a European Championship final is, uh, is outperforming almost any other England manager, Barca or Ramsey, and perhaps will be Robson who got to a World Cup semi final as well. I think I think and I think Gareth Southgate is going to be one of those managers where his legacy will will take time to develop, but it but it will it will be there. There will certainly be a legacy from Gareth Southgate. Successful international managers don't have to be successful club managers. Um, it's not the same job. Franz Beckenbauer won the World Cup for West Germany. Never managed a club squad in his life. I mean, it's, when you you're collecting um, the cream of the crop of players from the country. I'm going to teach them the basics. I'm going to say, okay, well, this is how you trap a perishing ball. You know, you lay, you lay out your tactics, you pick your formation, you pick your players, inspire them, and away you go, guys. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much that. Um, and so, you know, I, I think Seth got, yeah, he, he, he's set a, a great template for the future for English football. I just hope it doesn't get squad. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I get that. Because that's what, that's, that's what the form says. Yeah. Says. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've, we've now arrived at the quick fire section. So don't overthink. Okay. You can't, I know it's your propensity to have multiple answers. <laughs> so where multiple answers are allowed, feel free, but there aren't many. Okay, so are you ready? Yep. What do you love most about football? The joy it gives. Who were you in the playground? Cruyff. Oh, good answer. Um, what do you miss most about? Football. Um, I miss not going, being able to go, being over here, not being able to go to English football. Okay, are you ready for this next bit? Greatest player. Cruyff. Greatest game. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, jeez, that's one of the greatest game. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Um, Chelsea Barcelona, second leg, uh, European Cup semi final, twenty twelve. Fair answer. Greatest team. Club or country? Your choice. Ajax, stroke, the Netherlands. The greatest goal? Um, uh, <laughs> probably, okay, um, Ronaldo, the, the original Ronaldo, proper Ronaldo, for Barcelona, away at, I can't remember what he was, but he, he went the length of the field after, after a corner and scored. And Bobby Robson just can't believe Bobby Robson's here at, at uh, yeah. Barcelona, yeah. Uh, the greatest manager? Sabat. Okay. Um, what would you one thing you would change about the modern game? Take the money out of it. Oh, a lot of people have said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it sounds a bit weird for Chelsea fans to say, doesn't it? But yes. Um, and sort of final quick fire question: um, When you played, if played for a team, what was your shirt number? Uh, Centre forward or goalkeeper? So nine or one? Nine or one? Yeah, yeah, nine or one. Wow, polarizing. Uh, yeah. Um, well done. Congratulations on passing the quick fire round. Now all you're left with uh, is the score draw. Uh-oh. So we'll wait and see what your completely non-football, non-book, non-anything that we've talked about. Well, actually, no, maybe it might be a poetry question. Related question actually is. Right, okay. Your question. 
What is the single greatest invention by humankind? Um, uh, probably the, the answer would be vaccine. I think um, smallpox vaccine um, saved more lives than anything else ever in the history of human uh, invent, uh, human creation. And obviously, we're going through a pandemic now. Um, vaccine is going to is help us to get through that. So I guess I'd go for vaccines. Gary, it has been. I want to say, like I say, revelatory. It really has. It has been a revelatory episode. Um, I feel like I've learned a whole new side to you, but you have been just the most incredible, incredible guest. I knew you would be good, um, but you've but you've far exceeded yourself with this whole new persona that you've invented just for this episode. Um, before before we go, um, obviously, you know, you are on social media. Where Where can people find your poetry is pretty much what we're asking. <laughs> um, it's it's the great English book story. Uh, the British uh, Library. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, at all underscore blue underscore days. Um, I have um, other Twitter accounts for my books. So at Bridesmaids Inn is the uh, at Bridesmaids in uh, people Bridesmaids in Orange, and the uh, um, the games people play also is as it's on Twitter. So you can get me on there. And uh, I suppose that obviously you know we know. You know the stuff with these football times, the you know the regular contributions to podcasts and the magazines. Um, the novel is out very very soon. Um, anything else that people can can look briefly look forward to um, coming from the well, the, the great mind of Gary Thacker is how I'm now going to word it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a particularly busy um, last six months or so. Um, I've got uh, I've had the novel hopefully out in the next couple of weeks or so. In May, um, I've, I mean, this, I completed this book two months ago now, and it's with uh, Pitch, one of his publishers, about to be edited, is uh, the story of Chelsea's unlikely 2012 European Cup triumphs, Champions League triumph, and it's called Out of the Blue. Um, I was going to call it Rhapsody in Blue, but somebody had done it already, but I thought actually Out of the Blue sounds better because the triumph came out of the blue and because of blue, so I hope that worked well. Uh, and then the year after that, in 20, uh, 2023, um, I'm writing uh, a book about the great Ajax teams that have won three European Cups successively in 71, 72, 73, and that's called the Dutch Masters. And after that, I might retire. There is not a chance. I was just about to say there is not a chance. Uh, whether we edit that bit out or not is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That That is never going to happen. Well, I say to the missus, you don't believe me. Uh, Gary, it's been 45 minutes with two minutes of injury time. It has been, like I say... It, it's just been brilliant. It's been everything I hoped it would be and more. Um, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you, mate. And thank you for the therapy session that I've <laughs> revealed my true self to the world. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it too. Enjoyed it, mate, massively. Brilliant. Um, all that's left me to say is, is please join us again. I can't promise it will be quite so romantic and articulate <laughs> and intellectual, but, but please join <laughs> us again next time um, on What's the Score? Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening to What's the Score with the Back Pages. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Back Pages 4 and on Instagram at the.backpages. But most importantly, please join us again next time on What's the Score for more football, more books, more music.